in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to the top 10 and some of the extra content that we do for you all. It's called The Relist. 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 I don't think we ever checked levels, really, did we? Oh, yeah. Well, we had the conversation. I was checking before we started recording. So, Uh, yeah. So this is fun. A nice little Relist action uh, happening here uh, today. This one, uh, thanks to Christopher Alexakos for compiling this for us. Yes, handling all the back end for us. And welcome to the Top Tens Relist. Right. Hosted by two gentlemen. My name is Matt Nost. I'm John Roca. Uh, and the way it works is one fan picks a topic, the other two send in their lists, mm-hmm. and then we just go through their lists. We combine them at the end just like we do on a regular show, but it's yep. theirs. We don't add or subtract any of their movies, so we just make a list of theirs. It's the Relist. Yeah, and we're doing this from my uh, office, so unfortunately I do not have the bongos in hand, so we will use the table. Uh, so sorry to anyone who's waiting on the bongos there. Um, all right, so it's uh, this one is coming from Cody Rexford. Uh, he is overseas, so shout out to Cody Rexford over there. Hope you're... Uh, Staying safe, taking care of yourself, uh, and thank you so much for your service, man. Um, yeah, yeah. You just jumped down to. I was like, hold on, that's not in the opening paragraph that they sent because I thought you were going to do what the the topic is and all that. Yeah, well, I was just going to do the top. Yeah, well, the topic is the top ten Pixar voice actors, uh, and I, you know, Chris was there to he suggests that we give him a shout out, so I gave him a shout out there. Oh, Feel free not. if you want to read his. Uh, Oh, yeah, we will. His letter. His letter to us. Yeah, feel free. It's very nice. I just was lost, confused. I was like, what? He's overseas. Then I started looking through the first paragraph, and I was like, (laughs) it says nothing of overseas, and then skimmed through the rest after that. Uh, Yeah, so the top 10 Pixar voice actors. And so thank you to Mr. Cody Rexford for sending in a great topic that we've never done. Yeah, true. Ourselves. And then we had uh, two gentlemen send in, uh, Steven Anderson and Keith Bellow, or Bellow. Bellow, yeah. I'll go with Bellow. It's not a double L, though, so it's below. Is it below? That yeah. seems weird. Keith Below? I've never heard of Tom Over, so Keith Below seems weird. <sighs> Just saying. Yeah, but it's weird until you hear it. You know what I mean? I guess. Every name Have you is heard strange. anybody with a last belt name below? No, but I've heard of much crazier things. Think about it. Sure, of course, much crazier things, but this is a common word, below. So it seems weird. That so Latino community is the only one that has Jesus Whoa. as a first name. No other... And you just go, oh, okay, that's a common thing for that. Maybe below is whatever pocket of the world that he's from, actually. Sure, sure. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. He's overseas right now. I'm going to say, no, that's I'm sorry, that's, that's Cody. <laughs> yeah. Cody's Keith right. is somewhere different. We don't know where he's from. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, anyway, Cody sent a letter and he said, hey, d- dear John and Matt, thank you for your hours of entertainment that you provide. I am currently deployed overseas with the Army and consider myself super lucky. I still have the ability to listen to you, too. Thank you for everything you do. And no, you make a difference in this person's daily life, at least. Thank you so much. Uh, my, topics is, my topic is. But well, we don't. Should said, thank you. The... I wasn't going to. Okay, I'm sorry. And he said, thank you so much for everything you guys, guys do. P.S. It's pronounced as if saying Cody just with a T. So Cody. Okay. 
And I generally go by Rex if that makes it easier. Okay, so Cody Rexford. Okay. I think that's right. Is that right? Did uh, I read that right? You did read that right. Okay. Just the Cody <laughs> on top of that, and they call me Rex. So where in the South are you from? <laughs> that's the only thing. Oh, Cody. Here he is, a.k.a. Rex. What's going on, man? Cody. Cody. <laughs> well, once again, thank you so much for your service, brother man. I was in the army myself, so even more so. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, all right, yeah. Do you want to uh, jump right in? I'm just gonna. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, do you want Stephen or would you like uh, Mister Below? You know what? Since you defended the Below, I'll give you. I'll let you have Below. Sure. I'll take Stephen. I'm happy with that. Go for it. Who started? Did I start this time? Okay. Uh, the first competitor, Stephen Anderson. He said, "Special shout out to John Ratzenberg for being in every." Pixar film. Okay, his number 10 is Phyllis Smith as Sadness in Inside Out. Sorry, just goes paragraph. You got to find the number. I do not see her. No. Okay. All right. He says, uh, I love her dryness and the constant pessimistic attitude that pretty much always made you laugh until the final scene when you realize sometimes we all just need a good cry. I agree. She was great. She was great. And uh, you'd anticipate, like, you know, sometimes coming out of the office, not a lot of them have really kind of gone on to do incredible things since. No. Obviously, Krasinski has. But really, Jenna Fisher hasn't really done anything either. Well, Carell is the number one. Well, Carell, right. He and Ed Helms was brought in later after he'd established somewhere else. Right, so it's right, not quite right. the same thing. Oscar Nunez, he's got all the State Farm commercials. I guess, yeah. He's got to be doing something else. Uh, he was, he's in that Gabriel Iglesias show as the principal of that high school. Oh, turned it off. Yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> 90 seconds into it. It has a laugh track. It does. And a fucking like late eighties, nineties laugh track. It's thick. It's you know, easy Latino humor, which drives me out of my fucking mind. It's easy humor overall. Yeah. True. Fair. But it's like, the easiest joke every time. Some of the Latino jokes. I'm just like, ugh. this yeah. is, this is what sank Cristela or whatever that was that, uh, ABC show. I gave it two episodes because Latino Latina sure. comedian I was like, okay, great. Because her, her comedy is kind of edgy. They totally dulled all the edges, shaved it all down, and it was just like boring family comedy, and it had no authenticity to it, which was so frustrating. Look, so. Latino families are just as boring as white families. Welcome. Sure, but we've got, yeah, sure, but we've also got our <laughs> own uniqueness, just like white families have their own uniqueness, you know? Uh, so nobody talks about shit at dinner. For sure. <laughs> Well, sure. We talk about all that shit at dinner. But you're expecting that from an ABC sitcom? Yeah, I was hoping. Why not? The uh, fucking Roseanne did that shit. They went real dirty and gritty about being poor and white in this country. Why couldn't we have more Latino uh, uh, Latino exploration? Per- perhaps, uniquely Latino because exploration. when that came out, more of the society had an understanding of who that individual was because they came into poor white people more often than they did Latinos. Maybe. So you, you water it down to the essence of what, hey, look, they're just... And then eventually, maybe you go into the more, you know, eccentric. But look or, at fresh off the boat. That that's just years later. Asian. But I'm saying the Cristela was only two or three years, years ago. That's my point. Is that I wanted Cristela to be authentically a Latino experience. Yes, there are universal things between the families, but there wasn't anything that made it like authentically Latino, other than them being Latinos. Like one day at a time did a way better job of that. The the remake on on Netflix. Oh which wow, is really? Great. Oh, it's such a good. I know show. it did well. So yeah, it did. I just never watched the first one, so. I'd, it's like, right. oh, they're making it again. Okay, I hope people like it. <laughs> All right, uh, the number nine he has is Wallace Shawn as Rex in the Toy Story series. But I do not see it. No. Okay. 
Uh, to me, it's one of the funniest characters in all the movies. Even though it's the same shtick every time, it never gets old. I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's, I mean, he's got his moments sure. within the Pixar films. Yeah. For sure. He yeah. has enough of an indelibility to the general populace that I've seen memes about like Rex, all you left for Rex type right. of things just in different parts of life. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a great voice acting job. Yeah. There's no, there's no arc to him. He's just like kind of saying his thing and he's always scared. He's always scared. Yeah. He's always scared. Um, and it's nice. Well, whenever Wallace shows up in anything, it's really funny. Like in Princess Bride and what have you. Uh, all right. His number eight is Patton Oswald as Remy in Ratatouille. Do you have Already that? looked ahead. Do not. You don't have Remy. Don't wow. have Remy. Fascinating. All right. Uh, Remy, uh, this is what Steven says. Remy feels like the perfect underdog. He may be young and beaten down, but he also refuses to give up on his dream. His enthusiasm and sweetness means that Oswald pulls off one of Pixar's toughest magic tricks, making you root for a rat in the kitchen. Very good point. Exceedingly true. Yeah. It's a great performance. Perhaps that's just a testament to the to there's so much good Pixar work that he wouldn't have Patton Oswald on <laughs> because it's just like, well, I want X, I want Y, I want Z from this one series they have yeah, type of yeah. thing. What if you were a kid during Cars and just like McQueen and Mater and something else are definitely going to make your list. I don't know what the third one would be. Yeah, maybe. If you're from Cars, just, yeah. I think those three would be the one, right? Well, there's the two I can think of. The first one is Paul Newman could be a third. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Like Paul Newman would be the third one, yeah. But he so. dies in that one, doesn't he? In the first one, yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. So I, I just don't know. I'm amazed I remember that. <laughs> I have not seen it in a long, long time. I know I will never see it again. <laughs> it's That ship has sailed. I tried a little bit of number two, and it was just not for yeah, me. Yeah, no. Three's okay. Luigi. <laughs> really? You came back? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Three's okay. It's not great. It's better than two. That's been damn sure. Luigi's another one. I always have a soft spot for Tony Shalhoub, so he, he'd be somebody maybe that maybe the kids would like. If they were to name anybody, maybe. What kid, what kid is getting excited about Tony Shalhoub? I don't know. I don't even even know the name. One in, but the character that would be exciting, Luigi's. Funny. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. I thought I you were saying that Shalhoub. They should be, you know, putting his face out in the front of this because kids oh, just no. who doesn't love Shalhoub? He's <laughs> like, oh, technically, that's true. But <laughs> yeah, no kid right. knows who the fuck Tony Shalhoub is. Right, right. I'd be surprised if a kid knows who Paul Newman is. Yeah. So yeah, I'd be. Uh, one, I'd be surprised if they knew who Owen Wilson is or Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, Larry the Cable Guy, I could believe maybe because of his style of humor, but like, <sighs> for kids from they're not kids anymore. You know what I mean? Oh, he doesn't mean? get near the airplay that he used to. Oh, good point. Good so you points. have to have like parents that are fans or something like that. Mm. It's totally possible. It could be a Cote. Cote's a big fan. Oh, Rex. That's it. right. Cote. <laughs> get her done, man. Get her done, Rex. Hard consonant sounds are what I like. Get her done. <laughs> Cote. You know, if Cote's too long for it, just call me Rex. <laughs> it's only three letters there. <laughs> uh, uh, it's like uh, Ellis's high school best friend showing up. He's also got a cut-off T-shirt and, <laughs> and shorts on. It's like, what are you wearing, man? Oh, I heard you killed it the other night, man. Oh, it was a good crowd. Good crowd. Yeah. The, do you, can you tell one of your jokes? Can you tell no, the heroin and cheese happen. joke? That'll never happen. Oh, man, really? No. I heard that was you, great. To come to the live, come to a show. What? That's how stand-up works. I don't do jokes for you. I'm not asking you to do it for me. I'm asking you what the joke was. On some level, was though, you are asking for yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They, they, they can come you to a live After show. three fucking years, I could get one joke. But all right, have it your way. No, dude, there's nothing worse than somebody fucking dropping their jokes in everyday conversation. Oh. That is the worst. It is the absolute worst. If anybody does that to me, I instantly go, I do not like you. 
<laughs> I don't. Oh, you mean if they drop their bits? Like, yeah. Like, do their if they're routine? running bits on me? Oh, yeah. There's only one, maybe two friends I let get away with it because I know it's not. Right. It's not what it is 99.9% of the rest of the time, and I'm utterly fine with it. Gotcha, gotcha. Because uh, they don't mind, you know, critique. Not right. critique, but constructive criticism. Hey, you ever think about cutting this here and then make a call back there? Like, right. you already have the structure of it. I'm just helping you find a detour that gets you there right. a little quicker. I'm not right. trying to tell you how to write the fucking joke. <laughs> but no, the people come up or they find out you're a comedian. It's that. Uh-huh. Oh, tell me a joke. And you're like, well, I wasn't saying it like that. Go and fuck yourself. That's a setup and that's a punchline. I'm going to walk away. I dropped the mic on that shit. Fair enough. I wasn't saying that. I just yeah. heard it was that. that uh, they were, was they were a really fun funny. crowd. Yeah, cool. Ellis puts on a nice show. He does. All right. Let's move on from that. What's your number 10? Uh, my number 10 from uh, Mr. Keith Below is when he starts off and says, Hello, Matt and John. I've been a fan of yours from day one when you debuted on the Schmoes No Show when I believe they were in phase four of their show. <laughs> but I could be wrong on that detail. You, uh, I don't know. It sounds real. Uh, what phase are they on now? 12? I don't know. 16? <laughs> I, I don't know what phase. Your knowledge of films is outstanding, and I hope to see you guys at a future live show around New York. Wink, wink. Top 10, boom, I, yeah. Number oh, 10, nice. Brad Bird as Edna Mode in The Incredibles. <laughs> that is a punt. All right. There you go. At number nine, Ben Burt as Wally in Wally. Yeah, no, not on here. Okay, interesting choice. It's a very interesting choice. Rarely, rarely says anything. <laughs> exactly, it's a silent film for <laughs> half of it. Um, while not a favorite movie for some people, Ben Burt's performance should not be ignored. He brings this level of heart to a robotic character that you don't see done very well on screen. I have not seen the movie in a while, so that is the reason is not high on my list. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, you. I think you're a bigger fan of that movie than I am. Yeah. So it's a weird. It's an interesting choice because, like you said, it's a silent film. He really only says Eva, and that being said, I mean, only uh, Vin just says Groot. Oh, I was so, literally thinking that. Yeah, it so, is. I am Groot. So I can't necessarily uh, bash the choice, but uh, it's an interesting choice if nothing else, because yeah. there's uh, people that talk way more in other films. So, uh, but yeah, I certainly like the movie. I like the character. So. I I guess in at that level I understand the choice because it's a great character. I don't know more for sure. He is hands down the best part of that movie for me. Mm. It's like it's not even close. Yeah, I wish we were just really focused on you more. Yeah, like brought Eva in. Yeah, totally fine. And the two of them, but it's the as I've discussed before. Yeah, it's the second half or the the third act of the film for sure. Right. Okay. Uh, number eight mm. is Holly Hunter as Elastigirl. Ooh, that's a great choice. Not on this list. Okay. Um, he puts Elastigirl gets more room to shine in the sequel, but I love her performance in the first movie more. She can go from being a concerned wife and mother one second to a tough as nail superhero the next. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. Like when they're uh, in that plane and then they have to, it gets shot down or whatever the case is. And yeah. She has to pull them in and be like, this is crazy. We have to band together, though. Yeah, yeah. Type of thing to do the concerning mother straight into. All right, now time to save the world. Oh, she's driven to find out the truth as well through the most of the first part of the movie, of the first movie, you know, and then like when they finally get on the island, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of get into their rhythm and she's great. But even when she's uh, confronting him again at the end there, before they get in the fight at the end, you know, she's just like, what, because I'm a woman? Is this blah, blah, blah? And he's, he's got to like tell his truth in that moment. But like if she doesn't push him and confront him, there's no way yeah. he has that moment where he really breaks down in front of her. So it's great work. That's how you know all the good 
emotional beats working it so well. When he says, I can't lose you again, yeah. it resonates oh, yeah. so directly. And right. now everybody is a multifaceted character at that point. It's like, yeah. it, it's beyond the chauvinism. Right, right. I will be destroyed. I would rather die than having to go through that again. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff by it's her. Good choice. Yeah. Uh, oh, what do you oh, yeah. Seven? Number seven is Ed Asner in Up as Carl Fredrickson. Not on my list. Okay. Uh, after getting your heart torn to pieces in the first part of the film, you understand how cynical Carl has become, but throughout the film, you hear him sound younger and happier and more alive. Well, it's very true. Okay. And that's tough to do when Ed Asner, I don't know, I think he was in his either 70s or 80s when he recorded the uh, the audio for this movie. So certainly that's a, a incredible thing to catch, that he becomes more younger and happier and more alive as the film goes along, which means Ed Asner obviously was doing character work from the beginning to end. So it's mm-hmm. really good with voice. Came in with an idea. And- yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I... Outside of the opening seven to ten minutes, whatever it is, I haven't seen the rest in so long. Yeah. Yeah. So. I dig him. I think he's great. And um, even the moments when he doesn't want to, like when he's fighting back and he's pushing back and everything, he does such great work. And, you know, sometimes when you get to a certain age, uh, you're not sure they can still bring it. And Ed certainly brought it in the movie. So it's a great choice. Uh, All right. Number six is uh, Caitlin Diaz as Riley in Inside Out. Do not have. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Steven says, honestly, I had to look this one up, but definitely had to put her on the list, even for just the last scene in the movie and how heart wrenching her voice is and makes you think of times you just wanted to break down and have a good cry. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Riley's great in this movie mm-hmm. and they put, make her do some really like unsettling stuff in desperation. Um, and then have that come through in the performance. And I remember interviewing her when we went and did, when the Schmoes sent me up to um, Emeryville. It's where, I think that's where Pixar is there near San Francisco. And she and Kyle MacLachlan were two of the people that I interviewed. Oh, cool. Because he was the dad. And so she was really sweet. And it was, I think it was her first thing she'd ever done. And so she had like to work really hard to get that through as a voiceover actor. And so she was really great. I enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Anything that? <laughs> uh, hopefully you get back from your trip saying the same thing. Yo, went over, met so-and-so, very nice person. Oh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, heading off to London on Tuesday for like five days. It's been a source of contention here in the house. Oh, really? Yeah, she's she doesn't like me going to London without her. She really wanted to come, and there's just like you know, we, she can't take off work and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's last minute. Yeah, it's you're last going minute. to work, and- right? Exactly. I'm staying an extra day to uh, sightsee, and I might try and catch a game. Depending on who's playing where, I okay. might try and catch a game. Nice. Liverpool plays Chelsea at Chelsea, but on Sunday, and I'm leaving before the game even starts. I was so trying to sucks. catch you Saturday. Yeah, I'm trying. I might catch a Saturday one that's around London, and we'll see what's available. Just to be in a stadium again to watch a game would be nice. So we'll see. Yeah, I can't blame you. Yeah. You should find out like her top two or three favorite places to eat, and make sure you eat at all of them. <laughs> how amazing each time. was. Too bad you couldn't come because you're that dim sum. I'm. So, we. I went back to Chinatown. That place we found. Oh my god. The best. <laughs> Just do like a FaceTime. Have yeah. a great time thinking of you. <laughs> oh. oh, that'd be brilliant. 
Yeah, or she loves one place. You take that video, and you've gone four straight days. So by the fourth one, they know you. Hey, Mister John, <laughs> you got your booth. I'm all set up. <laughs> yeah, back for dinner there, Gaston. Uh, all right. All right. Anyway, what are you at? Uh, seven, I think. Seven is Kelsey Grammer as Stinky Pete. Oh, that's a great choice. Toy Story uh, No, not on the list. All right. He writes, Stinky Pete is a detestable toy, but Grammer's performance makes you at least sympathize with him a little. Sure. In my mind, the best villain in the Toy Story franchise. Wow. What? Uh, hugs a lot? Is that, uh, yeah, lots of bear, yeah. Lot, yeah, a lot, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, lots of bear, I think it's better. He's pretty you? fantastic. Yeah, man. I'm not taking away from, from grammar because it's an interesting story. I right. Like, I like two, I like three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a great performance. I like Kelsey in voiceover work. He has such a fantastic voice, man. Oh, no, it's fully I was, commanding. I was watching Anastasia the other night. I hadn't seen it in forever, and it was on one of the pay channels. I was watching for like 30 minutes. And it's it's not as good as I remember it or as much as I enjoyed it the first time, but like his voiceover work is fantastic, man. So uh, you can't deny that. He does a great job as, as Stinky Pete. Do you think he's always spoken with that very specific tone and diction? Because and, it's one of those people, I just assume he was born for the stage. Yeah. Because I can't picture him in everyday life. Other actors, you totally can. If you want to go through like Cheers, Ted Danson, no problem. Right. Woody Harrelson, no problem. Kelsey Grammer, I can't imagine him working a normal job yeah 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 he's always spoken like that like at 16 he's a cashier or a bag boy <laughs> just bag groceries exactly you want these bananas on top <laughs> like such confidence weirdly it's kind of sing-songy at times do you want these apples <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i agree it's and it, you know but you know actors are people who want to get somewhere sometimes will adjust their voices and have the mental for fortitude sure. to do it and he seems like yeah probably in college or when he was going to drama school, he just said, "This is my. I'm just going to milk this Dude, thing." Apparently, Gosling's is entirely fictional. Really, he made a choice when he was younger to sound more like he was from the East Coast, and he tried to pattern off Marlon Brando. Wow, and that's because he's from Canada, right? So he got rid of all that, and he has this weird, like Brooklyn-y type of accent. Yeah, almost like there's an undertow of it. Interesting, and it cut out all the Canadian. I'm like, I wonder if that gave you a career. Right, right. Because possibly because you look at remember, uh, remember the Titans and he's like he's like a total country yokel with a high pitched voice and everything like that. And then the difference between him and his later movies is is like stark in terms of the voice. Yeah. Um, I think about that documentary I just watched that Ther- Theranos documentary on HBO about that woman who created that. Uh, oh, the voice. Yeah. Her, she, she, yeah. She, Blood sample. <laughs> <laughs> her cop- her copying Steve Jobs' voice. That's weird. That's super creepy. I I remember I read a New Yorker article about her years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she seemed strange on the page and then hadn't thought about her in so long because it was yeah. about it was like the early wave of all the bullshit about her came out. And right. they did a full on like delve deep and it was fascinating to read. And then you see it all what, three years later or something? Finally, right, right, right. Even more strange than what <laughs> the page was already like this is wackadoo and then which changes her voice, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. How did you? How did people go? She's got. She's got the ticket. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird. I think people are unsettled by weird things, so they're more willing to do things for weird things because it unsettles them. They're not on their equilibrium. <laughs> you want to go out for investors for the top ten? <laughs> yeah. You should definitely invest. <laughs> how you doing? I like you to invest. 
This is my associate. Hey, have, have you ever thought about giving your money to a movie podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just give their money to get away. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> it's just so creepy. They just throw money at yeah. you. Get out of here. Check. <laughs> Please just stop talking. Yes. She managed to get into the country club. I'm trying, I'm trying to raise $250 million. Is Ed Schultz here? Ed I'm Schultz. supposed to speak to Ed Schultz. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. <laughs> we should get Cody to go with us. This is Cody. Cody. Skip money to the top ten. This, this is my friend Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Call him Rex. He likes to be called Rex. <laughs> All right, which one? Did you already do six? Six is Jason Lee. <laughs> That'd be perfect. Oh, this is the weirdest show we've done in a True, while. true. It's a late Sunday afternoon, man. We were probably exhausted uh, for the weekend. Yeah, I am. Jason Lee's <laughs> yeah. uh, syndrome. Uh, not on the list. Not okay. on the list. <laughs> uh, in The Incredibles. To be the best character in a movie filled with great characters takes uh, great performance. And Jason Lee is perfect as syndrome. He's cocky yet confident. He knows he is the smartest guy in the room, will tell you he's the smartest guy in the room, and then try to kill you for getting him monologuing about being the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> Truth. Very true. But does he steal the movie? I don't think he steals the movie. Okay. I think he's just good in the movie. I mean, Elizabeth Pena is good in the movie. Edna Mode, Brad Bird is good in the movie. Obviously, Holly Hunter and... Yeah. Whatever his name. Uh, uh, Craig T. Nelson are good in the movie. Well, when you think of that that film, what's the first image that pops into your head? It's, usually, it's either the Mr. Incredible, I can't I can't do it with that, or like I couldn't go through it again, or no lie, Bomb Voyage. Bomb Voyage is the Bomb second. Bomb Voyage is great. Right? It, and like literally on screen for maybe two minutes, but will stay in my mind for a lifetime until I get Alzheimer's. Like I, I legitimately... Like that, I will always think of Bomb. It's my second thought, and always with the Incredibles is okay. Bomb Voyage, because that's such a brilliant, brilliantly funny uh, criminal. Well, if you're going to go for pun, it's an awesome pun name, it, right? It is. It is beyond reproach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was my six. What do you got? A five? Uh, Anthony Gonzalez as Miguel in Coco. Not on my list. All right, I like this being on his list. Uh, great singing, great comedy, and again, a final scene. Sorry, with his abuela, Coco, that you could feel the pain behind the voice and only imagine bringing that out standing in a recording studio. Yeah, absolutely. Kid's great. And they already have the stuff over at Disney. Like, they have a little show that they do in the streets uh, mm. with a, a Coco puppet that's attached to a dude's legs. And so do they do the. Oh, okay, I do. I was going to yeah. ask if they do the bridge thing because that's. Oh, maybe during the electric light parade at the end of the night because that would just. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's one of the most indelible parts of that movie. Yep. To me. Yeah. Oh, man, I wanted to like it more. I know. I agree. And I agree. Trust me. I wanted to absolutely so love it and put it at the top. And I thought it was a really good film. I didn't think it was the greatest Pixar movie, but I certainly loved it. That little moment at the end with him and his grandmother, oh, yeah. Remember Me, mm-hmm. it's 100% effective. It's awesome. Yeah. And it, it made me just, as I said before, wish the previous had been that good. Yeah. Because the emotional payoff of that in the moment, and still to this day, is just as good. It is. I almost cried in the theater. Yeah. Because you knew she was going to start singing, and then when she's like, does that old woman, just kind of very soft, 
remember me? And like, oh, fucking Jesus. <laughs> she was a little kid. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Her dad he was a good man. He's a good man. <laughs> Mom's dead. Ah! Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. That was your five? Yeah. My five is uh, Tim Allen, Buzz Lightyear. Uh, yeah, uh, shockingly not on this list. No? Wow. Yeah, I know. All right. He says, uh, to be the straight man when you are known for playing larger characters is quite a feat, and no one else could play Buzz the way Allen does. True. From his performance, you really do feel like he believes he's a space ranger. And then when he finds out he is a toy, leads to one of my favorite Pixar jokes. I am Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> Without Tim Allen and another uh, person's performance on this list, spoilers, there might not be a Pixar today. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. They don't have that chemistry. Because otherwise it's just like a really interesting early CGI movie. Right, right. And Buzz doesn't become like one of these indelible characters in the animation lexicon, but also in the pop culture, right? Buzz, mm-hmm. to infinity and beyond is something people say all the it's time. Huge. Yeah. It's so strange. Not really, but that it's Tim Allen. Yeah, and Tim doesn't get to do a lot of emotional Not anymore. work, right? No. Yeah. Well, it was Disney's guy after Home Improvement, and they did right. all the Disney movies, yes. like the slew of family-friendly shit. Right. I would guess Disney's 80% of those. Santa Claus and all that kind yeah, of Yeah, Jungle to Jungle or whatever that oh, one right. was called. Jungle to Jungle. And he had, <laughs> he had at least one or two others. Right. They always did well for him. So then Disney, well, but this is before Pixar was part of Disney. Yeah. Huh. It's just so crazy because Tom Hanks would still get that role today. Yeah, true. Very and true. Tim Allen would not. Yeah. Uh, Very true. Tim Allen's a great choice. He's so good, and uh, you know, even in someone like, even in something like Toy Story Four, where he has he isn't necessarily showcased as equally as Woody, uh, like he's been in the other three movies. He still does what he needs to do in those moments that he gets, and he does great work, and mm. it's fun to watch him. Uh, all right, my number four is the punt from earlier, Brad Bird as Ed oh, Mode. All right. Uh, Stephen says, a voice that a lot of people didn't even know about until he came on stage at D23 two years ago. But wow, has the director of this movie stolen everyone's attention with this phenomenal character that only got better in the second movie, working with the Jack-Jack character. Um, people knew he was Edna Mode for quite some time. It wasn't just two years ago, but... He certainly did it in person for people two years ago, which was really cool. But mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. This character is so great and steals the scenes that she that he or she, I'm sorry, the character steals the scenes that she is in. Brad Bird steals the scenes that he is in with his voice as well. So it's, it's great stuff. Uh, Keith wrote, this movie is going to appear a lot on this list. <laughs> Since we had to punt, we didn't know that. But there's a reason for that I will go into later. Edna is this larger-than-life character that steals every moment she's on screen. Uh, Lily Tomlin was originally asked to play this part, but oh. when she heard Brad Bird perform how he wanted it to be played, she said, what do you, uh, well, it says, what do you need me? You got it already. And I couldn't agree more. Always remember, no capes. Wow. Uh, I guess that means, what do you need me for? Right, right. Uh, yeah. Wow. Lily Tomlin, I can see that. Yeah, I could too. But in, and kudos to her for turning it down, knowing that someone else could do it better. That's 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 really rare in an acting world. Not so much in the voiceover world, though. I discovered, but certainly in the acting world. Like in the voiceover world, I, when uh, Yuri and I used to do that old podcast, like all these voiceover actors and 
uh, directors all said and, and producers, they all said, like, people will come up and go, you know what? I'm not, when they offer you the role, they'll offer the role to these people. Like, you know what? I'm not good for this, but you know who is? This other person. And they willingly turn down work to give other people that they think are makes, better voices. It makes sense, though. Of course, because, logically, but like, I'm surprised. If it's acting the scene, you can give me the, uh, the notes and whatnot. I might be able to change up what I'm doing mm-hmm. to present myself to you. Whereas voice, you got to bring something to life yep. and it has to be specific too. Yeah. And it could also be like, in my head, this is how I hear it. And that dude does the best of that. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. It's great. Makes sense. It's nice. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. What are we up to? My number three. My number four. Oh, your number four. Go ahead. Is Richard Kind, Bing Bong. Oh, fucker. It's not on this list. Not on the list. Fucker. He put, the imaginary friend we all wished we had. Richard Kind brought his usually playfulness that he has brought in works before, a la Paul Lasseter and Spin City, but sprinkles in some great moments of sadness. It helps the children who are watching to realize that even these strictly comedic characters can be sad sometimes. His death scene is right behind the beginning minutes of Up as the saddest thing Pixar has done. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it is. Take her to the moon for me. Ugh. I can't talk about it too much. It's like such an emotional scene, but he is great in it. And he's so funny and it's the perfect voice uh, it is. to do it. Um, I asked him about it when I, same thing on the same trip. I asked him about it and he said he totally based it on like the old Catskills comedians and things of that nature to kind of bring that out. Cause you can tell it like, you know, it, it, lo- it plays that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <sighs> well, we can move on. What's your number three? <laughs> All right. Billy Crystal as Mike Wazowski. Not on my list. Okay. Uh, In the Monsters, Inc. series, very distinct and hilarious while still being able to perfectly hit the dramatic moments the Pixar films are known for. There you go. And that was your number three? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I screwed up. I'm sorry. Oh. Gail Garcia Bernal as Hector in Coco. Should we have talked about? Why? I don't know. The Coco is uh, the kid. Anthony Gonzalez is the one I. I couldn't remember the yeah. Sorry. Yeah, couldn't no, remember. No. It. I was like, no worries. Was that there? Because I didn't. I didn't read it from before. No, no. So it's Hector. That's the dad. It's oh, the. Wow. Yeah, the dad that is the po- the poor guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That helps him in the. Where Where is that precisely? Yeah, in the uh, just in like the purgatory place. But it's got a different feel than purgatory. Because yeah. It's, I don't know, because people are still happy. So so long as you're in remembrance. With right. some individual, so it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I forget what they call it. Good down question. Paul. I can't, yeah. Why, that should be something. It's so simple, and yeah. as soon as we hear it, be like, oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> I knew, I knew, you know, I'd heard it before. But anyway, he puts, as Hector and Coco, while I thought the film was just okay, Bernal's perform, or standout performance might be a standout performance and might be one of my favorite voice actor performances ever. Hector will stoop to any low and lie to any person just to see his daughter one last time. The the scene where he has to get the guitar so Miguel can play in the competition is when I realized that this was not just going to be a strictly comedic performance. Mm. Uh, My brain wanted to shut down through reading all of that. (laughs) I don't know why. Suddenly it just said, I'm not going to work for him. Do I just not remember it? So it, it was the daughter he was trying to get remembered by? 
Oh, but it was oh, because the grandmother is the is is the grandmother the daughter, the daughter of Hector's? his daughter, yeah. Oh, and shit. The, he was the contemporary musician that taught Elvis right. in essence. Gave Elvis stole his songs and had the movie career and whatnot. Right, and he died. And right, but the bell hit him. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. mother always spun it as one direction, right. but. She always held out hope. She knew her father, and right. ultimately she was right. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's why it gets to the end, and you're like, I want to love this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. This moment is amazing, but yeah. the movie is... All right, what do you got it to? Uh, Albert Brooks as Marlon in Finding Nemo. Not on my list. Oh, wow. Not even 10. That's insane. Brooks gives a performance as good as any in his career. His trademark neuroticism and neediness tinged with pain at the loss of his family and his desperate need to save his son. Mix in his comic gift and straight man confidence, and it's hard to picture anyone else in the role. I agree. Albert Brooks is fantastic in this role, and uh, I, I, I just like... It's great when he finds his, his son doesn't steal any of the scenes. Uh, no. it's, it's so about his relationship with Dory, who's Ellen DeGeneres, obviously. But like everything he goes through is so believable. And mm-hmm. the transition and the experiences, you see him slowly changing as the film goes along. And then it really comes to fore when, uh, uh, comes to bear rather when, uh, you know, Marlon or when his son says, I can, when Nemo says, I can do this, dad, and blah, blah, blah. And he lets him do it. By getting all the fish to put it, but like up until that point, you know, he's like all oh, caught up and like I gotta get to my son, I gotta, all this kind of stuff. So it's really amazing what Albert was able to do because he doesn't get to do these kinds of roles really in, in on camera ever. No, yeah, no, not anymore, especially. Right, right. Although he's good every time. It's like Paul Reiser gets a ton of work, sure, and all these small parts, but he's always excellent at yeah, it. yeah, just a good, good comedic mind. Uh, getting used on this week. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't make uh, this list either. Yeah. What do you got at number two? Two is Craig T. Nelson. Oh, nice. This is Mr. Incredible. Well, this basically just took all the voices from The Incredible. In essence, <laughs> he chose the first movie and he picked, what, four? Yeah. So If, if his answer is, I've only seen two or three Pixar films that we've got. I'm right waiting answer. for a yeah, coda yeah, yeah. at the end that says that. <laughs> I've seen three total. <laughs> but, I mean, they're all great performances. Yeah, true. Uh, tip of the cap to, to Pixar. But this is what he writes. Uh, November 6th, 2004, it is the day after The Incredibles hit theaters and two 10th graders walk into a local theater and watch the movie as their first date. Almost 16 years later, we are now married and this film will always hold a special place in our hearts. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's why it makes four of them. Sure. So much better. Besides the sentimental attachment, Craig T. Nelson's performance is outstanding. You can really feel the midlife crisis is going through. He used to be uh, this almost Olympic God type figure who is not stuck in a dead end job, repeating the same motions over and over again. When a character, pardon me, when a chance to... Dawn, the Mr. Incredible persona once more, of course, he jumps in without looking. But it is the few moments of sadness and vulnerability, pardon me, vulnerability, that makes his performance shine. When he tells Helen that he has to fight the robot alone because he can't lose them again, is gut-wrenching. Yeah. 100%. Yep. We mentioned that moment already. Um, yeah, thoroughly agree. And what a great reason to have that uh, so many voices from The Incredibles on your list. So total respect. I don't know how you don't have a number one with... Yeah, good point. Your number one's going to read, you know, kind of flaccid next to the amazingness of that last paragraph. This is the first day we went on 16 years later. We're married. Life's good. Yeah. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> Seems like it'll be a number one. 
Well, congratulations to you guys. Uh, but yeah, a great choice. Um, I, I always enjoy him, and you're right. I mean, that's the thing. His transition from the frustration, and, and the thing is, it's so believable because if you get to a certain age, and trust me, some of you are young, you're in your 20s, maybe early 30s, you won't know until you get to your 40s or 50s. Like The transition from going from, oh my God, I could conquer the world, and like everything's great, and you're so strong, blah, 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 to when you're in your 40s, and you're like, you can't do it as quick as you used to, you're not as strong as you were, things are a little slower for you, like it is a serious transition in your life, it's a very tough thing to transition to, and that comes through in his performance all throughout, because he's like, I was a hero, in essence, it's symbolic, you know, I could crush the world, I could save the world, I fought villains, and here I am pushing paper, uh, at a at a fucking dead end job, yeah. it's insurance. You know what I'm saying? And some people have that experience where they're in their 20s, they have great jobs in their 20s, or 30s, but something happens, they get laid off, or you know, think they get downsized, or whatever, or they lose the job for whatever reason. They end up working this shit job in their 40s and 50s, and they're like, fuck, I, I had so much before, and you just got to do it because you got to live. You know, so there's such a reality in his performance that I enjoy. Hey, life's. Nothing if it ain't a punch in the balls every once and again. <laughs> Just for damn sure. So, that's ups and downs. Damn show. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm assuming your number one is my number one. Uh, Tom Hanks? Yes. Oh, good. As Woody. What did he say? Uh, he says, Tom Hanks is Woody in the Toy Story series. It just doesn't get any better and couldn't have been played by any other person outside of maybe Jimmy Stewart in his prime. Ooh, nice reference. Nice but selfish but also selfless and a deeply complex character all wrapped up into one perfect voice acting job. What do you got? And he said, do I really need to write anything for this? This might be the best voice acting performance in any animated movie. Tom Hanks is perfect casting. Mm. He is this overly cocky leader who is scared by his loss of status as favorite toy. Mm. Woody's line delivery of, so play nice, terrifies me to this day. Nice. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Just like you said, what can you say? Right, right. There's a reason we all like Tom Hanks. He is the Robert Downey Jr. of Pixar. Without him knocking it out of the park with Toy Story, as Woody, being already okay. a well-known name, this is he is the foundation for Pixar. Without Toy Story and him doing that voice of Woody, there's no way Pixar is as big as it is now. Uh, and I think the same with the MCU. There's no, if Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau don't knock it out of the park with Iron Man, there's no way the MCU is where it is now. Exceedingly true. I wonder which which is the more difficult to do. Pixar forging your own path because then nothing really like you exists. Right. Or Marvel having to cut through the clutter of all the bullshit that came before you outside of like two to three movies that everybody agrees are good. Right. And everyone assumes and then you turn it into a billion dollar industry. It's a good point. It's kind of interesting. I would say the Marvel, because you have to now beat decades of preconceived notions. We've experienced a bunch of shit. Right. I don't, I don't believe you. And to take a character like that. And, and people going like, oh, what are you going to do with this material? Don't fuck up this material. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. How are you going to yeah. make this bad? Yeah. Right. Waiting for you to fail. Yeah. Whereas the Pixar is kind of the underdog, you know, literally they could. It succeeded by and large. Every time they went up to bat, mm-hmm. they hit a home run mm-hmm. for the first, I don't know how many films. Yeah. I think it was eight or nine before Cars 2 showed up. Okay. And then it really kind of... I don't really count that. <laughs> you don't count that as a negative? Uh, as part of the the metric by which we judge P- Pixar. Oh, no, no. But I'm saying like they were on a run until Cars 2. Cars 2 was when it was like, oh, they can actually make a mistake. Yeah, but I don't even look at that as a mistake. Ooh. That was clearly... We are 
I mean, just doing gangbusters with kids, and we can hook them in the series, and we have all this merch. So this is, right. doesn't really matter how good or bad it is type of thing. We just need more Cars material. And right. then planes and... Oh, planes. That's not Pixar, though. That's Disney. Doesn't matter. It's a Disney-owned yeah. at this point, all of it. Absolutely. So they're just going to replicate. So those that don't count against. Right. Just like, wow. <laughs> that was such a lazy cash grab, and I understood it for what it is. So I'm not going to... You know, judge you on artistic merit. Okay, for this one, that's fair. You know, like good dinosaurs, still haven't seen. Oh yeah, good. That, di- that's Pixar. So it? terrible. It's all I've heard. Oof, Just so why bad. do I need to see it then? Yeah, like to be completist. I, you know, I'd yeah. rather watch other movies. Holy shit, dude! Sorry, um, Rick Ocasek just died. Wow, from the cars. Really? Yeah, seventy-five years old. He was found dead in his New York home. Oof. Anyway, all right. 75. Yeah, I know. Lived a rock star life for 40 years. True. Married years. to that awesome model, I think, Paulina Poroskova, I think he was married to. Yeah, I think right. you're right. She was in that uh, video for them. Uh, Drive. I think she was in Drive. Um, yeah. Wow, that's a shame. Because um, Eddie Money just passed a few days ago as well. Yes, he did. From cancer. Um, Another right. not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I fair. mean, that's fair. The height of his success was the late seventies through early eighties. Right, and I only discovered the actual run of years after he passed. Yeah, I knew his songs. Yeah, his biggest songs. Right, but I wasn't an Ed Money guy. Yeah, right around the yeah late eighties, he, he really didn't make any more like hits necessarily. No. Ocasek had six kids. Wow, two from each of his three marriages. Well, that's how you do it, man. That's how you do it. Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> Three marriages to each. That's all I can give you. I I dated this girl. Yeah, uh, here in town. That I'll tell you who her dad was off the air. Okay. Um, but he had like fifteen kids from seven different, eight different women. Okay, and they all show up for holidays and stuff like that. Ooh, and it's this big extended, like at least all the kids do. Right. I don't know how many of the former wives do or former lovers. Right. But I was like, wow, that's that's fucking crazy. You have like 17 brothers and sisters. Yeah. That's a lot. It's It was nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. All right, you want to do... Yeah, let's compile this list here. Uh, Pixar, we're at 45 minutes. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, obviously, number one is Tom Hanks. Yeah. So I think we'll just go back. We don't have any other commonality besides Edna Mode, I don't think. So we can just go back and forth. Really it? Yeah. Is it your phone, I'm assuming? Oh. Oh, yeah, sorry. We'll just um, flip coins, I guess, all over the place. Uh, yeah, you don't have Craig T. Nelson at two. What do you have to I have Albert Brooks. Personally, I would say Albert Brooks's performance is strong okay. to me. I'm happy to do that. Bring the coin out just in case. All right. All right. So then Craig T. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you have at three? Billy Crystal. And then I have Gail Garcia Bernal. Okay. Well, I would agree with Billy Crystal. Yeah.
And then Gail Garcia Bernal. Yeah. Kind of shocking. He's high on the list. Pretty interesting. Yeah, to end up at number five. Yeah, right. That's how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> what do you got it for? Brad Bird is in a mode. Oh, okay. I got Richard Kind. Uh, I would put Richard Kind. Okay. And then do Edden next? Yeah, since we have that in common as well. Where are we at after that? Uh, we got three left. Ooh, okay. I think two Coco people might make it on here. Holy crap. That's a shock. Ooh, that's a shock. So what did you have at five? Anthony Gonzalez as Miguel in Coco. All right, I got Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear. I think Tim Allen goes first. Yep. Gonna be some choices here. My number six is Caitlin Diaz from Inside Out. What is your six? We got two. Um, oh, yeah. All right. So, what was the actor's oh, name? Anthony Gonzalez. That was the other. Yeah. So we got one left. We got one left. Yeah. Yeah. Coco got two on. Yeah. Your six is what? I'm sorry. Uh, Caitlin Diaz is Riley in Inside Out. I got Jason Lee as Syndrome. <sighs> Personally, I say Jason Lee. You think he did better work than Caitlin Diaz? I think yeah, it, I think so because Amy Poehler—it's really Amy Poehler. It is. It's yeah. Amy Poehler's That's movie. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Jason Her and the uh, Phyllis. Yeah, Phyllis. Um, I'm surprised don't put Amy Poehler on that. Amy Poehler or Richard incredible. Kind. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Jason Lee, it is. All right, let's do this thing. <clears throat> The top 10 Pixar voice actor performances on the re-list. Yeah. At number 10. Jason Lee in The Incredibles. At number 9. Anthony Gonzalez Coco. At number 8. Tim Allen Toy Story. At number 7. Brad Bird in The Incredibles. At number 6. Richard Kind in Inside Out. At number 5. Gail Garcia Bernal in Coco. At number four. Billy Crystal and Monsters, Inc. At number three. Craig T. Nelson, The Incredibles. At number two. Albert Brooks, Finding Nemo. And our number one Pixar voice actor performance on the relist is... Tom Hanks in Toy Story. How about... Reach How for about the sky. About that? <laughs> Reach for the sky. Uh, there you go. Good stuff. Thanks. Uh, you want to... Yeah, thanks to uh, Cote. Yeah, Rex. Cote Rex, Keith Below, and Steven Anderson, and uh, Chris Alexakos for helping us put all this stuff together. Thank you, Chris. And uh, Joe Abara, Mike Shea, and Kristen Smith, and Matthew Hasso, all the people that help us with the behind-the-scenes stuff to bring the show to you guys every week. Our immense and eternal thanks yeah. to the five of them. And uh, yeah. I think that's it this week for the relist. Don't Sounds you? good. Yeah, I agree. All right, we'll talk to you next time on the Top Ten Relist. Relist. Relist.